I am so glad to have you guys here today to jump right in here on this series on Stop Going to Church. And so uh, what we want to do is we want folks to stop going to church and we want them to start doing church and there's a world of difference. I, I think sometimes I'm, I'm a huge March Madness uh, basketball. My team was devastated by Auburn. They were smashed. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, just destroyed, decimated, all the advice. Why aren't you doing this? Why didn't you do that? You know, and isn't it easy for us? We watch it happen, and it's always easier for me to tell Coach Self and the team how to do it than to actually do it. Uh, I remember being a little league baseball player uh, and uh, hit the ball, and my dad would give me all of this advice from the stands, just keep your eye on the ball. Well, what do you think I'm doing? Watching butterflies? You know, you know, t- time the ball. What, Dad, just leave me alone for a second. And so oftentimes it's easy for us to be a spectator and to watch it and get involved. And here's what happens. I think play, it's not kayaking, it's, it's not playing basketball. I think for most people, our favorite sport is watching it on TV. Into the church world to where uh, we kind of have this Disney mentality of what are you going to do next to impress me? Now listen, we want to have a phenomenal, cringe-free worship experience. We, we want to do that. We want to have wonderful children's programming and we want to have excellent worship and we want to do that. And we strive for excellence in that. But if we only cause an environment for you to come to consume it, then us as a body and myself as a pastor, I have failed my job. Because here's the goal. We, we're not trying to raise up an audience for Jesus Christ. We're trying to raise up and we're going to do it, we're going to raise up an army for Jesus Christ. Now, now when I say that is, please don't read into that some kind of militant extremism of Jesus Christ so much, they want to serve their world and bless their world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe minister. And so I want to get to the point to where someone asks you, who is the minister over the Exalt Church? You smile and puff your chest out and say, I am. Well, Roger, what do you do? I'm glad you asked. I'm a coach. I'm a pastor. And my job is to help you play the game. My job is to encourage you to get in the game. My job is to sometimes uh, get you out of your little bit, to kind of prod you on to say, you know what? I'm not in the best shape I am for the game. Talked about that last week. And we want to get you into shape to play the game. So look at Ephesians chapter 4. It's in your notes. Verse 11. The Bible says, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. When I do my job, my job is not to do counseling. My job is not to do hospital visitation. A lot of those things, my primary calling upon my life is to raise you up as believers and empower you and train you and release you to do ministry, to, to, to if I can, grease the sin. Because here's what I realize, when you're in the game, 
When you're being the church, when you stop going to church, the entire body of Christ is lifted up and the entire body of Christ is encouraged and the entire body of Christ grows. When one man does it, he burns out, he resigns, and the church goes under. Hello? Amen? How many of you have seen that happen? I refuse to be a casualty of it. I refuse. And so I want to walk in my calling and prepare you to do the works of the ministry. Why? So that the body of Christ might build up. Well, well, what's ministry? Isn't that what you do on the stage every day as a preacher? Yes, I am a preacher. I'm a speaker. And as I do this, I'm doing ministry. But ministry is anything, anything any service to God or to people that builds God's kingdom. It's anything. It can be handing out a in, in, in the kids' ministry back there and you're changing a life. It can be giving a word of encouragement. It can be parking cars. It can be visiting uh, retirement homes. It can be going to see people that everyone else has forgotten come to see them, but you come and give them a kind word. It can be anything if it builds up God's kingdom and it brings glory to God. And so what is the ministry set? All believers, this is a review, it's not in the notes, all believers are called a ministry, not just pastors. And you've been created to do good works. Pause every so moment. Good works do not make you a good person. The only thing that can save you is putting your trust and your faith and your hope in before God. And he asked me, Roger, why should I let you into my eternity? I'm not going to say because I have a master's degree from the Presbyterian, although I have that. I'm not going to say because I was raised in a charismatic church and saw all of these powerful things that God did. I'm not going to say 25 or 30 denominations. I'm not going to say because I'm a good Southerner now, but I used to be a good Midwestern Kansas boy. The only thing I can say to him is, is Father, enter into eternity with you, except Jesus Christ did the work and paid the price I could not pay. So am I a good guy? Wife and my mother, and they'll tell you the truth, all right? I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And so the second, but pastors are called to prepare God's people for service. Third thing we've covered in a couple weeks ago was that you're necessary for God's plan for the world. We also talked about how that ministry, serving others, gives your life deeper purpose. There's more to your life than getting and getting up, going to work, and sleeping. And God trusts you to do ministry. You realize that? God trusts you. These things. Why don't people serve? And let me say this. In your average church, do you realize that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people? Do you realize that 80% of the budget in your typical church? That's a, a principle. I, I praise God here at Exalt Church as far as our volunteer capacity is. We're far above that. We counted one day, and we were around, we're around the 50% mark right there. We counted every person that's involved in some ministry. I praise God for that, but what that says to me still is there's a lot of people that aren't plugged into somewhere do, doing a ministry. And, and so what, what are the attitudes that we have to why we don't serve? Why, what, what is the attitude? And it's in the notes right now, and guys, bring it up, the attitudes. Number one, here we go. They can manage without me. 
They don't need me. First Corinthians way, it says, all of you together, Christ followers, are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate of it. Can I tell you that you are necessary? Can I tell you that you're wanted? Can I tell you that you're valued? Can I tell you that you are needed? Can I tell you called it to be without who you are? Can I tell you that there is no one here more important than you? You are wanted, you're necessary, and when you, are, when you are doing what God has shaped you and created you to be, wow, people's lives, and here's what happens. A lot of times, we, could we talk around here how big God is and how great God is and how awesome God is, and, and, but here's the reality. Some will say, well, he is, God can do whatever he wants, he can, but then they'll say, so God doesn't need me. Here's the reality. God works in time and space through people through people. He works in this earth through people. When he made Adam, he didn't make Adam to be a bum. He made Adam, first of all, and said, you're going to be a gardener. So before sin ever came into the earth, Adam had a job. God created him with a work and a purpose. It was to tend the garden. Now, after sin, work became evil, it became overbearing, and now we're going, oh, i got to go to work. It was a blessing. And here's the reality, my friends. I, I hope you catch this, that when you do your job in the secular world, quote unquote, when you do a ministry here, when you do it for God, and you do it to Him for people, you're, you're doing a ministry. And the predominant way, now, I, I want to encourage you, and now I want to, I want to now provoke you. We don't serve oftentimes. It's because we think it's all about me. So here's what happens. Some of you are sitting here and your shoulders are slumped over and you're thinking, I can't do anything. I don't have anything to offer. You're like Eeyore. I'm not good. Every week's a bad week. Everything, the devil's out to get me. Can I tell you, you're not that important that the devil's after you by yourself? <laughs> but you just said you can't live without me. I need you. I do need you. I do want you. But there are some of you here that aren't bowed over beating yourself up. There's others are here going, I am, I am God's gift to exalt church and the kingdom. And wow, you need me. But don't be so full of yourself, all right? And what I want to say to you is, I want you to move from this point of, of consumer mentality. What's a consumer mentality? Well, you know, we, we go to restaurants and we critique them. We go to stores and we critique them and we, cri we critique everything. And that's actually come into the church to where we want to critique it to the point of, well, I like that, but I didn't like that. And I like that part. And this is the feet my needs, fit, fit my needs. Here's the reality. God did not put the church here, follower of Christ, to meet your needs. He put the church here to be a not know Jesus Christ. And there are times we sing styles of music that aren't my favorite style. So here's the reality. Look at this. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 20, look what Jesus said. It says here, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. You see, the church white towel over his arm, then it does look like a gourmet chef in the back with all of the accolades. So whoever wants to be great about among you must be your servant. And he says, even the son of titles, I'll teach on that sometime, but the son of man came not to be served. And actually, I'm going to stop here for a second. 
Jesus takes that word, i got to go there, book of Daniel, which refers to a deity God person. And he says this, he says, did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus himself, God himself, God, a towel over his arm and says, how do I serve you? Both figuratively and literally. He literally got on his hands and feet and took a towel and washed the dirty, stinking feet of his disciples as a man to serve, to give his life. He left all of the praise of heaven to come to an earth that rejected him, to a people that could understand him, and he comes and says, I come to give my life. I come to serve, I come to be spent, I come to pour it out and leave nothing in this earth undone. In fact, on the cross, he stretches forth his hands and he says, it is finished. I haven't left anything undone, I haven't left anything on the table, I came and poured my life out, I gave it all. And there'll be one day where my energy will fade. There'll be, and I hope I can say those words, God, I left nothing on the table while my works does not save me. I want to give a full accounting for my life and live my life for something larger than myself. Lord, I want to see the acted through my life. Amen. I want you to see that. I want you to believe that because it's just a thing. You say, Roger, you know, are you just talking, just talking you my life because I believe in this gospel. I'm giving my life. We have chosen where to live in the U.S. based to raise people up and give our lives. Amen? It's not about us. And in fact, our vision, people, but our vision is simple. We want to be the kind of authentic community than other people. Are we there yet? Not even close. Not even close. Because why? We all have enough flesh in us that we want what we want when we want it. Amen? But we, we want to strive to be that. So what's the third reason why we don't serve the is Oh, it's all about me. I should be served. I, I should get one go home. There's some people that have that attitude. Thank God we don't have a lot of folks that exalt church like that. The third reason is... Well, I would serve, but I, I, I wish there was a fit for me. I wish there was a place for me. I, I, I wish there was a place I fit. And we talked last week about your shape and how that God has shaped you for a purpose in this life. In that class, Discover Your Purpose, next week, if you sign up for that, we are going to go into detail about your personality. We're going to go into detail about your spiritual gifts. Listen, God has given every Christ follower at least... I want to ask you, what has God gifted you to do? The H stands for your heart. What is your passion? What, what wakes you up at night? What keeps you, uh, keep you from falling asleep? What makes you angry? What makes you happy? What makes you laugh? What makes you dream? That's a clue to your passion. What abilities has God given you to do? What natural talents? What, what, can you organize? Can you decorate? Can you sing? I mean, what are your, what are your natural abilities? Can you communicate? 
I mean, can you, can you create a, 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 a probabilities? And some will say, well, those are mine. Can I tell you, there is nothing in your life that God hasn't given you. In fact, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says, it is God who gives you the ability to get wealth because the very breath in my body, the very energy I had, the very vitality, the very movement of my muscles, the way my sinews interact, my synapses fire, that's all his gift. And we want to we make it spiritual that only spiritual gifts are from God. No, every single ability that you have, God gave it to you. And we like to take credit for it, but the reality is you haven't had one good idea that the creator of the universe did not plant there. I got to pause and say, God, it's all you because listen, uh, it, it all comes from him. And so, so the abilities he's given you, your personality, your temperament, your, your temperament, where does my personality best suit me? If you don't like people, you probably shouldn't be in the hospitality industry. <laughs> Bring it home down to exalt church. If you, if you don't like people, you probably shouldn't be on the greeting team, right? I don't like people because they're going to know it. You know what I'm saying? So, so where, where are you best suited? And then your experiences. And we, we, we hovered here last week for a long time, and I got several comments throughout the week from this, and, and I, I want to hit it again. God uses your life story to create and shape you for His purposes. Your spiritual gifts, uh, or rather your, your, your spiritual experiences, or work experiences, He uses it all and catch it again, in case you didn't catch it last week. Even the dysfunctional stuff that we don't want to talk about, he, and we say, God, I bring my brokenness, I bring my trophies, I bring it all, and I give it to you. Use this for your purposes. He wastes nothing. He doesn't, he doesn't waste the fact that you had to go on a subway to get to school as a child or ride a bus. He wastes nothing. He has shaped you. He has created you. The Bible says that while you were in your mother's womb, he knitted you together. He put you together. And let me pause here and say this. We live in an extrovert world where we exalt extroverts and we belittle introverts. An extrovert is not an outgoing person. An extrovert is actually someone who is charged. The more excited they get. And introverts can actually be very outgoing, but being in that cement, uh, people don't believe it when I tell them that my bride, Laura, is an introvert, but she is an introvert, but she functions as an extrovert because that's part of her calling that she does, so she functions as that. However, I want to say this, we, if we're not careful, we will take those giftings and those personalities that are out here on stage to be. Can I tell you that you don't have to have the energy of Roger Patay or Tommy Siegel or Tony Klepper or Elijah Klepper? You know what I mean? That God can use you because here's what happens. Uh, oftentimes, we have this ability to try to take people and try to make norm as far as personality is concerned. Let God uh, shape you. Someone loves the message back there today. They are loving it. Amen. So they're saying, please, just hush. Let me, let, so number four, what's my attitude for why I don't serve? Because I'm afraid to fail. And, 
But let me tell you my philosophy as a church planter, as a pastor, as a coach. Listen carefully. At Exalt Church, we do not have failures. We haven't had a single failure since the day we had our first uh, interest meeting. We haven't had a single failure from our very first launch day. What well, we have not work. And we, that's like my wife and I don't fight. All my guests know this. My wife and I have never had a single fight in our entire married life. Never. My in-laws are in the second row, so you know I'm telling the truth, because my wife and I have never fought a single time. We have intense moments of fellowship. <laughs> Fellowships are pretty yeah, intense sometimes, all right? So anyway, we don't have... F- yes, we fight, all right? And then the makeup. Yes. Thank you. I just got spiritual all of a sudden right there. Woo. All right. Stick to the notes. Okay. Stick to the notes. We don't have failures, but we have experience that don't work. And listen, just because we have someone serving in a ministry and it doesn't go the way it should go doesn't mean we have a failed person. It's a 10 in some area. What we got to help you find out is to help you find the right place to put you in where you can be the most successful for God. I don't fit. I can do it. I can kind of trudge along. Yeah, so I want to be very careful when I read this to you. My philosophy is this. We don't, we don't have a failed project does not mean a failed person. There are no wrong people, you, in the wrong place. And so we got to help people find their right place and, and plug them in. I have friends of mine that shouldn't be pastoring, and yet they pastor, and they are miserable, and their church is miserable, and their family is miserable. Insurance. I'm serious. Should be doing something else. So we want to put you in the right place. And number five, I want to address. I feel so guilty. I must do something Better do it. I don't like guilt trips. I don't like to put people on guilt trips. I don't want to be the guy that puts the, the, the arm behind your back and get up here and say, we're not making it. We can't do it. If that day would ever come, we won't do it. We'll shut the doors before we do that. You hear me? We don't, we don't do that here. I want to build something greater and say to you that you were created for a purpose and a plan, and we want to help you discover what God has called you to do. And so we're not going to guilt you. We're not going to build, beat, beat you up. But I do want to say this to you. If you're living for yourself, you are not going to be fulfilled ever in your life because God has created you for something greater than that. Amen. You got the point? Number six, the final point. Here is why people don't serve. What difference will it make? Every week we have a team of people who put signs out, and you've seen them. We have people that pick the signs up in the wind, in the rain. They're out there doing it. They have found Exalt Church because someone got out there in the rain and put a sign in there. And I can't tell you every story because some of the stories are very personal and very private. And I hold those in a safe because of people saw a sign. 
And we think it's just putting a sign up and there's nothing spiritual about it. When you do it for God, it is absolutely spiritual. And I make it all razzle-dazzle. And we want to make it about what's... Listen, listen. It's the small things that make the difference. Nails, but rip one off and tell me it doesn't make a difference. I played baseball with a guy that decided because he was sitting on the bench one day, he got bored and said, he literally pulled out every single eyelash. Literally. So remember what I remember. It's blowing and it got in his eyes and he goes, I, Coach, I can't play. There's dirt in my eyes. Well, well, what's going on? I pulled out all my eyelashes. Yeah. He's one of God's treasures right there. E-G-A, extra, E-G-R, extra grace required, right? And so he pulled them out. Now listen, lose your eyelashes and see how, how much you miss them. What difference will it make? Oftentimes, it's the small and hidden things that we don't pay attention to. You can't see my heart. I'm glad you can't see my heart. Because if you can see my heart, something. But it's important it's not seen. There are so many things in organizations and churches and the kingdom and the ministry that are never seen. But without them, this around the world would not be there. Can I tell you, you may think that you are a cog. You're not a cog. Can I tell you, God has developed you and created you for purpose and that... Can I get out of Exalt Church and go to family for just a moment? Why do I go to this job that I hate? My dad was asked that question by my oldest brother one time and said, Dad, why do you, day after day after day, he's been there 51 years this month now. But when I was 13 years old, tell me, he didn't love it so much. And my brother asked him, why do you do that job? And he says, I have I have one, two, three. I got three important reasons. Four. You three boys and mom. And you don't think it made a difference to get out and he's placing it on a forklift and he's moving it and you're doing it and you think, oh, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. In the life of this boy, it mattered because it gave me some stability in life. And can I tell you, I don't think I've ever, I've appreciated my dad. Can I tell you, and I'm feeling really horrible right now, I don't think I've ever said life when your back hurt and you were tired and you weren't thanked and you went. I grew up in a time where uh, mom didn't work while we were young kids, and that's not a statement of morality, that's not a statement of condemnation. I'd come home and there'd be you know, cookies and milk there, and how was your day? It doesn't seem like a big thing, but when she did that, how beautiful that was to me. It's not a small thing. Have you ever been through a drought in your life, and you're tired, and you're just exhausted, and you don't have any hope, and someone just says to you, I love you, you look nice today, I appreciate you, you matter to me, you're my hero. And it just, that one small thing. Oh, it's the home runs that win the ball games. 
No, it's the consistency of a batter who gets up and the ball is coming down at them in life and they stand there and they just keep being consistent and they hit the ball. And it's one step and it's one move. It's one basket. It's one touchdown. It's one yard. It's one stroke of a brush. It's color, color, watercolor thing. You can tell I'm a real artist, you know. It's the one thing. And it's the one thing when you put it in someone else's life, it is even real being, and you're making an impact in their life, and you think it's small. Look in the oldest part of the Bible how many small things God used. A little bitty nation called Israel. The jawbone of a donkey. Are you with me? He used so many small your life, you're here because God put you here to be a difference. And can I tell you, if right now, and I, it's on the notes, but if you're here right now and you're at that moment where you're thinking, I'm going to end it all, I'm going to say to you, it's a lie that you're hearing. And I don't know who I'm talking to or who I'm speaking to, but you haven't even realized the difference that God has for you. You may not know it today to make a difference. And the rest of you here, you would never maybe think of being a suicide, but you're a, you're just, you just quit in life, relationships altogether or whatever, or your parents, your own kids don't want to be with you, and so you just, you just quit it. You know, there's people here in this church and people in this community around the city that would love to have you as a mother figure, as a father figure. You can make a difference. Amen. Amen. Wow, it got heavy pretty quick there, didn't it? What do I believe about the church? I've got to finish this up because some of you guys will be really frustrated if I don't. What do I believe about the church and what do I believe about the significance in ministry? Number one, I believe that the church, it's in quotation marks, is the hope. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and all the powers of hell shall not conquer or prevail against it. It will advance and Satan won't stop it. I believe that the only true world superpower is the church. When a teenager is struggling through addiction, he doesn't need another. We don't need another program from the government to fix a family decay. We need the message and the hope that the church brings. And what is the message and the hope of the church? We are a conduit bringing the message of Jesus Christ. Why are we the hope of the world? Because we carry the lip and just say, Jesus saves. But I'm telling you, he is the hope of the world. How many people in the sound of my voice right here, if you were to hear their story, hear where they've come from, hear what has happened in their lives, and Jesus Christ was the game changer in their lives. They were going down for the count, and Jesus changed. To renew the culture is to renew the people in that culture. And that comes through Christ. The church is the agency mandated by God 
And so what is my hope? My hope is not to change your behavior. My hope is to see your heart change. Because I know if your heart changes, your behavior changes. If your heart changes, your attitudes change. When your heart changes, what you do changes. Now it doesn't become, and I don't do that, and I don't do that, but I do that because this is who I am. It's Jesus on the inside working on the outside, outside stuff. And the reality is Jesus wants your heart. If I can capture your heart, if Jesus can capture your heart, he'll... Number two, ministry. What do I believe about ministry? Ministry, serving God and people, is one of the most significant investments we can make. Himself through Christ gave us, say us, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What does that mean? He's given us the, the, the ability to put God and man back together again. Put God and man in right standing again. God has given you that ability to take a man and put him in right standing with God. Why? Through the message of Jesus Christ he's given to you. That's you. And can I tell you, there's going to be people you're going to meet and people you're going to talk to that would not be comfortable talking to me over coffee. But there'll be people you know that won't identify with my story, but they'll listen to a guy who is retired Navy SEAL 6. And he tells the story. And you walk away from him after having coffee and you feel better because you heard the story and what you say, when I grow up, I wish I was a little bit like him. Young adults, he's coming to speak someday. He's coming soon. John, I'm putting you on the list, man. Listen. Guys, you are making a difference. Finally, let's finish it up here. Number three, and I've hit it, so I'm not going to hammer it. Small ministries make a huge difference. How? In the present, in eternity, and in people's lives for. Ever. I've already chased that rabbit, so I'm going to have to do it again. Why don't you stand with me, if you will, as the band comes quietly. I'm going to ask you to consider to do two things today. This Engage Discover Your Purpose class. You can sign up with a yellow card or online. If you sign up online, it's a whole lot easier. We can get it back to you a lot quicker. But you can also, if you can't do online, grab the yellow card that God has for your life. If the class is overbooked, I'm overlooking my calendar and we will do it again. All right? I think we have about 12 people coming right now. So we're limited. We want to help you discover your purpose. Now, I'll be very clear. At the end of that, we will give you a chance at Exalt Church. But listen, I'm not going to power play you in that. I'll ask you to. But what's more important to me is that you've discovered the purpose that God has for your life because you may be in military and may be here live so you can take it somewhere else and be a blessing, okay? We want to pour into your lives. So I want to be very clear. Yeah, we'll ask you to serve. But even larger than that is, wow, as you discover how God has shaped you. The second thing is, some of you have been here a while and you've called Exalt Church home and we gave you a, a put-me-in coach card. That's because I'm a coach. Will you consider today becoming a part of the ministry of Exalt Church and being a minister. Uh, I want you to look at that, write your name in, and there's a couple things there. You can have several things there. And one of them that's not on there is the sign team. I want to encourage you, think about doing the sign team. You, you know, you put the signs out, 
once a month, basically. Pick them up. I want you to encourage you guys to, to look at that and make a difference. Will you do that for me and pray about it and think about it? We have, and Tommy said it earlier, we have an amazing group of servants here. Wow. Every week we talk about this. They do this. They put this stuff up. What time do you guys come here today? 6.45. The setup team was here doing this. And they laugh and they have a good time. These band members are all crazy. You know that. <laughs> all right. Band people are just nuts. Nathan, you can quote me on that one. By the way, I haven't said this for a while. Nathan needs a good Christian girlfriend. All right. He does. Now listen, it's going to be a mission, and you need to love Jesus a whole lot, but listen, he needs a good Christian girl, all right? All right. And he has a twin brother around here somewhere that needs a good Christian girl too, all right? And then to my right, Dylan over here, he needs a good Christian girl too, all right? You can write it on there. Put me in, coach. I'll, I'll, I'm at the connection. E-harmony at Exalt Church, all right. How do we come back from that? Here's the point. We have a great team. We have about 80 people that call this, that serve here on a daily basis, a weekly basis. Uh, well, altogether. I think, know this. If you don't know that I appreciate you, if you don't know that I love you, if we don't tell you enough, please know that we do. And please we tell you we don't take it for granted and know that you're making a difference. Amen every single week. One day, we'll stand before Jesus Christ, and you're going to meet someone that you have never met, and they're going to say, I never filled out a card. You never baptized me. I was there for one Sunday, but I heard the message, and Jesus Christ changed my life. Amen. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for this day. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope you've given us. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. I pray your blessing. I pray your peace. I pray your hope. I pray your joy. I pray your fulfillment that only you can give upon these people. And I pray, God, that even when things don't go the way they thought it should, may they know that you are faithful and that you're working and that you have a plan and you are doing something even when we don't understand you. Thank you for wasting nothing. Use this church, Lord, to be a blessing to the people of this community and this world, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Ushers, if you guys will come real quickly here. We want to thank you so much for your giving today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, you have information there on the ways to give. And that's all we're going to say about it today. We're so thrilled to have you. If it is your first time with us, I'm going to ask you, please don't give anything in the offering today. But if you'll drop in that blue card, we do want faithfulness today. Amen.